Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Hope you enjoyed that fine commentary by Nick Godwin of the BBC to celebrate the win against Fulham with that late Harry Winks header. Now we're looking back on that win against Fulham and we're also previewing the huge semi-final against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup to come on Thursday Helping me do that, I've got Jason McGovern alongside me. Joining Jason, we've again got two returning guests to the last one on Spurs. Firstly, we've got Paul Hawksby from TalkSport. Joining Paul and Jason, we also have the brilliant Vasconi from Hotspur America. Hope you enjoy the show. And just a reminder for you that the Love Sports show featuring myself, Jason and Lee McQueen, which is normally on Thursday nights, will now be on a Friday night special due to Spurs' game in the Carabao Cup against Chelsea, which we'll be previewing. So just a reminder, we are on Love Sport this week on Friday as opposed to Thursday to look back and hopefully serenade on Spurs reaching the Cup final after beating Chelsea. But first, enjoy the show. Chase, how are you? Absolutely delighted, mate. Proudest punch yesterday. Best win of the season for me. And as those knees recovered, Jace, on that slide we heard you say about... <clears throat> yeah, the, the, it wasn't so much the knee slide. It was when I hit the wall at the end of the 20 yards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so other than that, no, it was... Uh, del- I don't think anyone noticed that I was a Spurs fan in the pub at that point. That's I bet sure. <laughs> Jordan Jason tonight, two returning guests to the last one on Spurs. First up, delighted to have him back on the show. We've got Paul Hawksby from TalkSport. Paul, how are you? 
Yeah, good. Thanks, Ricky. Not too bad. Paul, enjoying that win? What a late win. Yeah, I wasn't enjoying it the last couple of minutes, uh, I must say. Um, <laughs> I don't matter who's enjoyed it sort of far less at the end was uh, Alan Smith. I think he was he was more disappointed than uh, Claudio <laughs> Ranieri, wasn't he? Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. We've had, had Nick Godwin's commentary. Quiet. Do you know it's funny, Max? We've got Nick Godwin's commentary at the start of this show, and you compare the two. God, Nick, you could tell he's proper Spurs. Love that late winner. Vass, how are you? Great to have you back on the show. Yeah, pleasure to be back, Rick. Always nice to join you, fellas. Oh, you're very kind. And from Hotspur America, of course, Fast. We have to add that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, the pod wasn't out this morning, but uh, it'll be with you as soon as. Okay, interesting. Well, let's get straight into the weekend's action. That late, late win over Fulham. Paul, let me start with you. Spurs, as we know, going into that game without Kane, Son, Sissoko, Mora, Wanyama, Aurea. We just sold Dembele. Also lost Ali through injury during the game. And yet the Spurs team showed that character and determination to find a way to win. How can you not love Maurizio Pochettino's never say die team spirit, Paul? Yeah, they did keep going to the end. I, I, was, uh, I was slightly... I mean, I think if Fulham had scored earlier, they'd scored and they got a second, I think we would have been up against it. But the fact they didn't, they didn't capitalise on that. You kind of felt there was always a chance. But I mean, I've got to be honest, by the time the goal came, I thought that had well and truly gone. So it was a bit of a shock to see a cross like that from Nkudu. I think we'd spent the little time he did spend on the pitch as a Spurs player. He always seemed to hit the first man. But that was some cross. And a great run by Harry Winks. Mm -hmm. It wasn't great defending, but a great run. He had a very good game, actually. Him and Danny Rose, I thought, would stand out yesterday. Played very, very well. Spawn, agree with that. And Jace, we talked about every week in Kudu and how we joked that he spent more time in the medical room trying to pass it than what he has been playing for Spurs. And he popped up there crucially for Spurs. I mean, a massive three points, much needed. We kept on going, got a reward in the end. A lot of hugs at full time for Harry Winks. And what a moment for him, Jace. Yeah, well, as, as you say, I think, you know, once when the team sheet came out, took the mickey and said, who's the game changer on the bench? And probably the greatest respect to all of us. I don't think any of us particularly picked Nkudu to be the game changer, but that's what he was. But for me, mate, it was a Spursy win. Everything going against us when when it looks as desperate as anything. And this side this year has, has so often come up. We did it with Burnley. We did it with PSV. We did it again yesterday. We find a way to do it. And every other club, every other one of those top six clubs gets immense credit for getting that win yesterday with with players missing and going a goal down. The person that comes in, you, you want you know, wants the confidence lift, ends up scoring a horrendous type of own goal. It'll be unfortunate, but you just you could see the confidence kind of sap out of him. And you just thought this is absolutely everything is going the wrong way for us. And yet those they, the players dug it out and they deserve immense credit for doing that and that's that's why I said it's in many ways it was the proudest win for me of, of the season when, when so much is going against you even to the degree of Deli Ali going off and in a weird way Deli Ali's injury is what then allows Nkudu to come on and, and that's where the winner comes from it's it's astonishing really mm, I mean Vass bringing it over to yourself like Jason said you know Spurs have repeatedly triumphed for adversity this season despite the absence of important players like we say with Kane Son Sissoko they dug deep once again and like we've seen so many times this season grind out a really important win yeah uh, I think the, the the sort of footballing industry is kind of waking up to the fact that you know we've got some good players missing, but we've had good players missing for most of the season. Um, 
I think uh, you guys tweeted out a whole list of them uh, earlier on today, and it's just amazing what we've been through to 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 grind out the results. So some some pundits were saying that we've got to learn to win ugly. Well, we've certainly done that this season. Um, but yesterday's was um, it was looking grim for a while. I mean, I was at the Burnley game at Wembley earlier in in the season when we got that 93rd minute winner. But on that occasion, you just felt that something was going to come. But yesterday against Fulham, I've got to be honest, didn't see that coming at all. And um, what an assist by by Nkudu. He reminded us of who he was and Harry Winks, of all people, shortest guy on the pitch. Oh, I was moaning earlier in the game because... Uh, I saw your Twitter people, feed, Bass. <laughs> yeah, people were... I can't remember who it was. They, they were trying to cross the ball to Harry Winks in the middle of the box. I'm thinking, what are you aiming for the shortest guy in the squad for? And then there you go. Made me eat my words in the 92nd, 93rd minute. Great shut stuff. It, shut up at the end, Russ, didn't he? Shut you up at the end. <laughs> he certainly did. Most people do, though, Rick. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> sticking with you. We've got a load of questions in, so let's try and read some out. Over 50 this week, so thank you ever so much. Let's take a flavour of them. This is from Mr. Pochettino at the Mac Boy, who says, great three points considering the odds looked against us. Was it the two great substitutions by the manager which won us the game, Vass? Well, they certainly had an impact, didn't they? Um, as uh, Jace just alluded to, though, Delhi's was an enforced substitution and, uh, and Kudu came on and, and, and had a cameo to, to great effect. Um, and the other substitution was Dyer for Lamella, I think, wasn't it? So he Lamella was having a poor game. Um, he had that purple patch, didn't he, earlier in the season and then once he get, got, again got injured. And since he's been back, he just hasn't really discovered himself again, unfortunately. And I think he was struggling yesterday. So Dyer coming on, yeah, it had an impact because it allowed Harry Winks to, to move forward and, and he was the one that scored the winner. Yeah, K. Ray Duckett says we've gone from bottling second place against the relegation side to late winners against Inter, Burnley and Fulham. Have to celebrate the growth in the character from this Spurs side. Jace, we've got a question in here from Daniel Morgan at Star Sky who says we can count our dominating clear-cut deserve to win performances a few more than five to six fingers this season. On that basis, what do we need to turn one goal losses into draws or do we just credit the standard of the competition clinical finishing or better expectation from the fans that's a difficult one I'm sure Pochettino I'd love to know the answer to that one but um, you know I mean, let's be fair the week before against Man United we created so many chances we could have we could have won that game comfortably couldn't we despite the fact Man United had a decent first half and you know if you think about it it was the Liverpool game, we got completely overrun for most of it, but had, had a referee's decision gone right away, you may well have got a point. And then Lamella had that, that great chance against Man City, didn't he? But, you know, let's be fair about it. There's, there's been a number of games where we've held on to a win that, that could have easily flipped the other way into draws this year. So the fact that we haven't had a draw is quite remarkable. What we're now in 23, 24 games yeah, in. And to, to not have a draw is, is, is amazing. In fact, what was the last draw? Brighton, wasn't it? Before the the semi-final last year. So, you know, that that just shows you the importance as well that, you know, you can afford to lose games if you keep pushing for wins. It's, it's you know, an, an unbeaten run of eight games is no good if you're going to draw four or five of those games. And we're seeing it this year. We've got, what, seven points more than, than at last stage and yet we've lost six games this year. So all the time you're pushing for wins and, and that win was, you know, it's Winks and Toby that are absolutely bombing into the box. So it just shows the determination in that side to, to go and push for the win. Yeah, 
bringing it over to you, Paul. We've got a question here. Spurs transfer 10. And don't worry, Jace, we're not on transfers just yet. He says, oh, are, you, are you worried, Paul, about how many chances we are conceding? Even games where we are winning 3-0 or 5-0, we are allowing three to four shots on target per game. No, not overly. I, I thought sort of defensively, that those three, I mean, I think we're going to be looking at a three for a little while now, certainly mm. if Lorente's up front. I thought it was interesting yesterday that Danny Higginbottom in the Sun today said on average Tottenham put in about 10 crosses during the game. They put in 20 uh, yesterday. Uh, so double the amount they normally do simply to try and give some service to Lorente, knowing, well, thinking that's his strength. Looking at the two headers, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but... Um, no, I, mean, I think I thought Sanchez played well yesterday. I think Toby and Sanchez and, and Yan are, are pretty strong. Sides are always going to create chances. Premier League sides, they're always. We're never going to completely shut them out. I think Liverpool let in three at home uh, against Palace. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's difficult. But, but no, I'm not overly worried about that. I, I'll always back us. Certainly full strength to score more than most teams uh, put past us. Just to remind people of the team, Pochettino opted for a back three with Fernando Loriente starting for Tottenham Hotspur up front, while Danny Rose returned at left back, while Eric Lamella was also back in the starting lineup. Dyer, Skip, and Kazai settled amongst the options from the Spurs substitutes bench. Dustin sends a question in here, Paul, and he says, What did you guys make of that back three? I presume, Paul, like you said there, you expect that to happen now for, for a while. Well, I think, yeah, until, until Kane is back and there's a little bit more. Well, it did, I, mean, I suppose I would imagine for the next game, for the Chelsea game, you'll probably have, it'll be Moore and Lorente. Um, and Lamella will, will have to keep his place. There's no real options at the moment. It was, again, I think it, it takes him a run of games to get going again when he's had a break. Um, and there wasn't great movement in front of him. You think how Son generally moves in front of him. When he looks up, when he's making one of those runs, there's often options for him. Players are, are moving into pockets and there's people to pass to, but... There wasn't much going on in front of him yesterday, which made it hard. Although he is infuriating the, the cross that he put in the first half where he runs into the right channel. He could have shot or he could square it to uh, Ericsson. So he decides to square it to Ericsson in the middle with his left foot. It's like his right foot's barely for standing on. It's harder <laughs> to flick it with his left and hit it with his right. And, and then him and Ben Davis, apart from Asua Kotno, I've never seen too many... <laughs> So many one-footed players in one side. I mean, they drive me mad, the pair of them. Because it's so obvious what they're going to do. It gives defenders or attackers, I think, that extra little second. Because you know they're going to attempt to get it onto their left foot every time. They drive me potty. That's Spurs for you. I mean, that is Spurs for you. <laughs> Jace, I want to come around to yourself and talk about Fernando Loriente. Paul has brought him up. I mean, the Spurs striker, you know, he scored on his first start in ages... In the wrong end. You couldn't make it up. So typical Tottenham as he put the host 1-0 to the good. What did you make of that moment, Jace? You were championing him to start, wasn't you, on our Love Sports show on last Thursday? I was, and it now takes it to 10 goals in his last 10 starts. Come so, on, you know, Jace. What more do you want from your backup striker? <laughs> I mean, come on. No, it was it was a, a horrible moment for him, and you, you kind of could see the, the confidence sap out of him. But, you know, and immediately everyone... You know, he only had 80% of Spurs fans on his back before that that moment, and suddenly it went to, you know, 90%. But let's not forget, Harry Kane's got two own goals. You know, he smashed one in against Swansea from a corner, if you remember. He scored one at Sunderland from a corner. So, you know, it's not unique. And then his performance, don't get me wrong, Rick, was nowhere near as, as, as good enough. It wasn't what I was hoping for. But 
you know, a week before that, Harry Kane had missed three or four really good chances against Man United. I'm yet to find a striker that scores with every single every single shot he has. So, you know, I thought he looked he looked short of rhythm. It, it to me, his performance sums up why I've said he should be coming on when we're three nil up against Bournemouth and five nil up against Bournemouth and six up at Everton and three up against Southampton. When you have a chance of getting twenty twenty five minutes of Premier League football on the pitch, and the fact that you don't do that, it, it, it kind of showed yesterday. I think it showed as well that the team doesn't quite understand how to play with him because he did actually win a, a number of balls in the air, flicked them on. Nobody making the run because they're not sure if he is going to flick them on. And there's, there's none of that natural understanding. And that's why, you know, to me, you should be playing him more often than we do. And certainly, as I say, when you get 3-0 up with half an hour to go, there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the pitch. But he, he had to perform better than that. But I, I hope that's not his only chance because, you know, he's got that, that first one out of the way. He can score goals. He will never score as oh, many no, as that, Harry Kane. We know that after the weekend. No, but... <laughs> He, he can do better than we saw yesterday, that's for sure. And all I would say is, if that had been our new £70 million striker and that had been his performance, the crowd would still be singing his name at the end and saying, right, he's got that one out, he has to play the next game. Why Why is it because it's him? You've, you've got to then consign him to the dustbins of history. I, I just don't understand it. Haven't we learned from Musa Sissoko that there's no reason to do that anymore? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, he, when he comes in, uh, when it's squad rotation for the cup games, you can see him, he's quite confident, he gets involved, his passing's crisp, he moves the ball. OK, we might be playing lower league opposition. But yesterday, you could almost see that he's come in and it's like, I've got to stand up and be counted here, I'm Harry Kane's mm. replacement. And, it's, you, and as soon as that own goal sort of hit him and, and went in, uh, you could just see the confidence drain from him. Um, I was listening to James Richardson today on the Totally Football Show and uh, he, he said uh, Laurent, they gave new meaning to the term false nine, <laughs> which <laughs> which was a bit cruel but funny at the same time. But yeah, I'm with Jace. I think we need to sort of give him another go and maybe Thursday he can make amends. Who knows? I mean, he could play more if you like. They could play a false nine and not have an out-and-out striker. Um, but the way we're likely to set up, I would imagine they'll have more off of Lorente, I think they'll, they probably will stick with him, but um, we'll have to wait and see. As I said, we're so lacking in options at the moment, we're just going to have to kind of ride it out because I don't particularly see them uh, bringing anybody. Well, I don't, I don't expect them to bring anybody in at all, to be honest. Mm. I mean, Paul, the own goal was clumsy, a bit unlucky, you may say, but of greater concern yeah. was the Spaniards' attacking performance. I mean, his hold-up play was, was poor, we've got to be honest and say that. He scored a two good-headed chances at close range, and that's supposed to be his main strength, Paul. Yeah, I think uh, I think as Vass was saying, there's it's no rhythm, really. To he just needs to get going. He needs to get playing again, uh, and the you know the, the pace in a Premier League game, even against a team at the bottom, is so different to it is against Tranmere. You know the, the quality of the opposition, uh, and uh, was it Newport or Rochdale? It was the Rochdale game, wasn't it? We had we had a lot of luck last year. He scored some goals, but yeah, it's, I mean you could see it was just a lot of it was passing him by. That might get better with games. Um, and this is a player we're going to let go. I mean, he was he was probably off. He was he was going to go back back to Athletic Bilbao. He was looks like that won't happen now in January. But this is a guy that was they didn't want. So that's always at the back of your mind that someone they, they thought would be moving on in January is suddenly now expected to step up and carry the team, uh, which is a lot to expect. I, again, I, I I agree. I think we've got to 
we've got to give him another chance because he's, he's not a bad player. He certainly wasn't at Swansea. He just he's just not game sharp at the moment. Well, Tony Hutchinson says Lorente is so poor that our players can't and don't use him in the build-up. It's like playing with 10 men. Sadly, his finishing is awful. I'd let him go. That's Tony's thoughts. But, Jace, I want to get a question and an answer from you on this one over here. This is from Sahil Ahmed at Sahil underscore AC1 who says, I know Lorente didn't set the world alight, but given his lack of game time, do our fans really need to give him so much stick? Also seeing it as it wasn't working out for him up front, should Sterling have been given 15 or 20 minutes to see what he can offer? <clears throat> um, well, as supporters, yeah, you, you do have to have a little bit more. I mean, like I say, 80% of them are, are shouting abuse at the bloke before the game even starts or are <laughs> constantly slagging him off. And and as I say, haven't we learned from Musa Sissoko that you know, perhaps if you get behind somebody and support them rather than, than, than going into meltdown as soon as they're mentioned, then, then it sometimes comes good for you, doesn't it? But um, I thought... I, I thought kind of, I think with Kaziah Sterling at the moment, Pochettino doesn't want to put the, the pressure of winning a game onto his shoulders. You know, it, even with the likes of, of Harry Winks and Onomars and that, when he's brought them into the team before, he usually gives them a, a little spell, perhaps when you're 2-1 up to, to, to be on there to, to see a game out and feel part of a win, but not necessarily to, to send them on the pitch to go and win the game. And in such an important game, I think if we'd have gone 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go, you may well have seen Kaziah Sterling come on with a little bit of pace to try and to try and stretch it then. So it, it didn't surprise me that he, he wasn't brought on. It, it but you know, similarly in the, the build up to the game when everyone was was constantly Troy Parrott, Troy Parrott, I kept saying last week, why does everyone think Troy Parrott's gonna be suddenly jumping in front of Kaziah Sterling? So let's hope he gets that opportunity. I think he you, you may well see him in that, that palace game for sure. And uh, hopefully he'll he'll come on and make the impression that you want in that game. Now, I want to come around to you, Vass, because we saw Lloris bow out Davinson Sanchez, who got a muscled and outpaced by Babel in that first half. The Dutchman ran through, but Lloris got a hand to his close shot. And to be fair, Hugo you know, played very well during the game. What did you make of his performance, Vass? Hugo's? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought we had a good game. Um, he, he made that one save from Babel uh, when it was 1-0, I think. Then he had that other one down at his feet that um, um, Mitrovic was appealing for a penalty, which was a great clearance. Um, yeah, I thought Hugo gave us a solid performance yesterday. I know he, he sometimes gets a bit of grief from fans because, um, you know, like last week against Man United, that you know, he could have saved that shot or whatever. But then he'll have a game like yesterday where he keeps us in it. And if he, you know, if he didn't keep us in it, what we did later on to get back into the game wouldn't account for very much. So I, I thought he had, a, he had a good game. And Sanchez did, did, did well too, I thought. Although in the first half, it looked to me like he was struggling. But and as the game went on, I, I realised that Mitrovic was doing a lot of leaning in and all sorts of nonsense with, with Sanchez. And he, he coped with him quite well, I thought. How did Sanchez get booked? Well, John, I was going to ask you about that. Now, for our, now, for our American listeners out there, and Vass might appreciate this, in wrestling terms, that's formerly known as a DDT. If anyone actually knows what that manoeuvre is, Jay, you know what a DDT is? No, isn't that something the wife suffers from once a month? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That, that booking is uh, a sort of standard refereeing protocol, that is. Whenever well, there's a bit bit of a melee, you, you caution one from each side just to calm everything down. I, I'm, I'm stunned how Danny Rose and Davis and Sanchez got bookings there. I mean, Paul, Craig Paulson's refereeing display there, that's surely got to be a worse first half than Spurs's, wasn't it? Yeah, the, especially the Danny Rose one. I mean, how could you... I mean, if, 
Did you book him for a dive? Oh. I mean, even if you thought he went over early, it's not an out and out dive. There's contact there, and he's he's flying into uh, into the box towards the ball. So that was ridiculous. And again, Sanchez slightly squared up after it all kicked off with Mitrovic. But that's probably why he got booked. But it was a very soft one, I agree. I don't think either of them particularly deserved it. Certainly not Rose. That was crazy. Oh, mental. I mean, Paul, just to bring you back for a second to Hugo Lloris. Now, on this show, we've had so many debates about the Gazaniga, Lloris, who's the better goalkeeper to take Spurs forward. But, you know, as Vass said there, he denied Ryan Babel, did Lloris, and Andrew Schoener in the first half, dived at Mitrovic's feet in the second period, really helpless for the own goal. Where do you see the battle at the moment, Paul, between the two keepers? Would you still stick in favour of Lloris, or would you like to see Gazaniga given an extended period in the team? We imagine he'll start against Chelsea. Yeah, Gazaniga's good. It, it, it always looks like he's got a cigar on. He always looks incredibly relaxed when he's in goal. He doesn't look at all uh, hurried. But, I mean, you know, you've, you've got to go really with the pedigree. And uh, although, you know, Lloris is kicking, his distribution is quite terrible. If it was any good, he'd be at Real Madrid. But that's really the reason why we've still got him. Because, he's, you know, his distribution generally from feet and hands is not great. But he is still... You know, he has the odd blip, but he's still a great shot stopper. He's still a real presence at the back. And we saw against Manchester United, the one he tipped over the bar, I think it was the low shot as well from Pogba. He pulled off two great saves. And I think sometimes we take him for granted a little bit too much. You know, it's easy to say, let's bring the young guy in. But, you know, he's not been under that sort of pressure for that extended amount of time. So I still think Lloris is, uh, and you know, he doesn't make that many mistakes. Um, and I would stick with him at the moment, certainly. We had the thing last week, didn't I, where I, I said on the, the radio show that, for me, Gazan Eagle won't be a, a, a long-term Tottenham number one. <clears throat> I think, you know, yesterday summed, summed the differences up. Because it's Hugo, we just expect him to make those saves. So nobody really picks up on it. And the save he made from Babel, the, the one, you know, so easy for him to have gone down early and, and, and left the, the whole goal to aim at. He, he kept on his feet for as long as possible. So... You know, Babel in the end was was left having to make his choice rather than Hugo allowing him to make the choice first. Whereas if Gazaniga makes those saves yesterday, we're all on Twitter absolutely praising Gazaniga. But because it's Hugo, it's just expected. And that's the difference, the the scrutiny that a number one gets under and and what you expect from a number one. You know, Gazaniga can make great saves at the moment or good saves. And we just don't want Gazaniga to come in and make a, a cock up. So you start praising what's uh, an, an ordinary save. Yesterday, when Hugo's making them, nothing said at all. And that's the difference between the two. OK, well, let's move it on to Deli Alley, a crucial goal to get Spurs level. I mean, Fulham, let's bring it around to you, Vass. You know, Fulham made a hash of the clearance. It fell to Ericsson, who's beautifully fighted ball in the box. Fell to Deli Alley, who head home. You know, a really classy Spurs equaliser. And we say it all the time on this show, Deli Alley always stepping up to the plate and changing the game for Tottenham. Yeah, it's a a goal. Um, the the mould of that goal has been. We've scored it before, haven't we? Where Ericsson puts those crosses into the far post, and Deli Ali's there. Um, he scored a couple against Chelsea. Was it a couple of seasons ago? Similar, and he's done it um, since also. So he took it well. He yeah, he does. He, he pops up when you least expect it sometimes, doesn't he? Um, and so that was a, a great goal to get us back into the game. Uh, to be fair, I thought he was. Um, on the periphery of things and up until that point and really sort of has been over the last few games since he came back from injury and perhaps 
the fact that his um, hamstring went again yesterday. Maybe, I don't know, I'm starting to think maybe he wasn't 100% the last few games. Maybe he was playing within himself because I don't think he's been at his best the last last few games personally. But listen, he scored the goal. He got us back in the game and yeah, it's just a shame he had to go off after with that injury. He tweaked his hamstring, didn't he, against Everton in that challenge by Pickford. And maybe he yeah. came back just a little bit too early. He wasn't 100% and maybe he's just... Yeah, you know, agree, if you, unless you completely yeah. get over that, there's every chance it can go again. And I, I think it's the same one. I've got to be honest, when when he first did it, I, I didn't notice he clutched his hamstring. And it looked like he kind of hyperextended. I thought, I said cruciate or something really terrible. But then I was almost relieved when I saw him clutching his hamstring because I knew it wasn't that bad. Hmm. Yeah. So since his debut in August 2015, Delhi has now been directly involved in 47% of Spurs' goals in the Premier League when Harry Kane has been absent, so it just shows you how much you can step up. And no player has scored more headed goals than Delhi Alley in the Premier League this season, being four. Jason, you know, Vass makes an interesting point there about Delhi being on the periphery, but you know what? So many times when you watch Delhi, he is normally on the periphery of games, but you know, you always know, leave him on the pitch, he's always got that moment in to be able to change a game like he did at the weekend. Yeah, it's what the, the top players do, isn't it? They may not have the great 90-minute performance, but at some stage in the game, they have a, a massive influence on it. And, you know, Delhi's, Delhi does it time and time and time again. And there was actually a, a, a comment on somebody in a in a Twitter thing yesterday saying if he was at any other top six club, he wouldn't be a regular player. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> you know, where are you coming from? He didn't think he was a £70 million player. Nonsense. And you're thinking, what? I mean, is this bloke trolling or what? It's, it's, yeah. I don't think there's a, a club in the top six that wouldn't want Deli Alley. And, and mm. that sums it up. It's just, you know, sometimes the criticism of players. I don't think Christian Eriksen had his, his best game for us. Some of his set-piece delivery yesterday was, was horrendous. And he took one corner, didn't he, in the first half? Oh, don't. Just kind of bobbled along the byline, <laughs> straight into the side netting. Side netting, yeah. Thinking, you know, when you've got Lorente on there and you so obviously want the delivery into the box to him and you, you bobble a corner along the byline straight into the side netting, you think, you know, no, no wonder it's going to be hard work for Lorente today. But, you know, Ericsson is, is the same, isn't he? Sometimes he can be having a quiet game, but there's still that, that one one or two moments of real quality that, that comes. And that's what makes us a top six side, not a mid-table side. George, I always prefer Lamella on corners. Not that we've got a massive success rate from them, but I feel Lamella does deliverable better. We've got a load of questions on Lamella. Paul, let me ask you a question in here from Darren at Darren185652023. I think you just used about every digit possible there. He says, <laughs> should we sell Lamella? And Rich Ryan says, is Lamella good enough for a rotation role on a side competing for the Premier League and Champions League, Paul? I think I think you always notice with Lamella when he's had a run of games, he's been playing regularly. He looks like a different player. When he just kind of pops in and out, I think you do see him struggle a little bit. He does run up a lot of blind alleys. He's a bit too quick to go down at times when he's still on the ball. He goes looking for a free kick and he rarely gets them because the referees are fairly wise to it. It's a pretty Argentinian thing to do. But he, he, he can be fantastic. And as I said, when there's a picture in front of him, when there's movement in front of him, I think he can be an effective player, but as I said, yesterday really wasn't his day. He's looking up, and Lorente's not making the kind of runs that Son makes, and I think he uh, he struggled because of that. But you know, he's always been a bit of a frustrating player. I don't think we've ever seen quite the best of him, but there are occasions, you know, when he can look the part. So uh, I mean, certainly at the moment, uh, I wouldn't be looking to sell anybody. Oh God, yes, having a fault at the moment. We have no, no we have no eleven to field if we carry on the way we're going. <laughs> 
<laughs> Vas Lamella. Now, the funny thing is, about a month ago, we're saying he's having his best season in the Spurs shirt. And then fast forward, I know he's had a couple of injuries. He comes back and already, you know, supporters don't seem to think that, some of them, may I add, don't seem to think he's good enough for the job to come on in a game and, you know, make a difference for Tottenham. As someone who's, who's sort of jumped to the defence of Eric Lamella over You're a big fan, Vass. I know you are a big fan of him. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, I can see the potential in him. And we saw, as I mentioned earlier, that purple patch he had earlier this season when he was um, scoring for fun and, and really being our man of the match for a, for a few games on the trot. Um, but the problem with Eric Lamella is he's injury prone. Um, and every time he sort of starts to get ahead of steam... He'll pick up an injury and then he's out again. And it's like you have to sort of nurse him back in and play uh, bit part roles. And he, he doesn't look happy, as Paul mentioned earlier, when he when he's doing that. Um, he's a very intelligent player. And when him and Ericsson are both on their game and they've got the movement ahead of them that Paul referred to, they can find the passes and their game goes up a notch. But sadly, yesterday, we, was, we weren't very... Um, uh, from an attacking perspective, we weren't great, and I think Ericsson did have a really poor game too. And it just—I I think whenever Lamella got the ball, he it all just fizzled out um, from an attacking sense. But there's certainly a player in there, but it's keeping him fit is the problem. Now, Paul, as you brought up, we saw Deli Ali go down in the closing stages of the game. He looked like he pulled up, well, as we know, he pulled up by the touchline, clutching his left hamstring. Faces tests, which you know may see him be out for an extended period of time. As we understand it, and we're recording on a Monday night here, we believe Delhi's going to miss the game against Chelsea, which obviously is a huge blow. And Jace, which has then led to an absolute flurry of questions to the last one on Spurs about transfers and do we need to sign players? And we've got a whole host of them. I'll throw out some names there just so you guys. I give you some credit. Tottenham at Boxing Talk, Brinson puts Mike at Mike G Nolan, Chris Lawton's come in with questions. Gavin, Gavin Spurs. So, Jace, let me ask you, your favourite subject, do you think Spurs do need to look in the window with 10 days remaining, as we record on a Monday night, to try and improve the squad with Dele Ali the latest to fall victim to an injury? I think Spurs need to look in the window for a player that they would definitely be looking to sign in the summer and trying to do it five months earlier. If they can't get that player, I don't think they should waste their money on a panic buy and then when the player they do want comes available in the summer, they've then not got the money to get the player they actually wanted. So, to me, if you wanted, I don't know, if you wanted, pick one, Ndombele or whatever. I mean, that's that's an elite level, I know. But you think, right, OK, we'll go to Leon and we'll say, right, there's the 80 million. We've got Dembele's 11 million. Can we have him now? If they say no, then you, you end up having to do nothing now. Because if you can then go and spend 30 million on somebody else, then you haven't got your 80 million in the summer to go and get the one you want, have you? So, you know, try and buy the one that you wanted in the summer. And if you can't get him, then you just simply have to wait. And the other thing I would say is this phrase, back the manager, that I constantly hear if the actual manager wants to sign Jared Bowen and not some bloke from Juventus or Bayern Munich, then you back the manager and you try and sign him, Jared Bowen, despite the fact the fans want to sign somebody from Bayern Munich or Juventus. Just let Pochettino have the player that he wants, ideally now, and if not, then you don't make the panic buy. Jace, and also, just on Higuain, which I keep hearing, I think what we have to address also, which I'm sure listeners know anyway, majority of them, is that, number one, the wages would be extraordinary, and two, when Harry Kane does return to fitness, what are you meant to do? Because Higuain's not going to want to sit on your bench. 
Exactly. You know, Chelsea, like I said last week, Chelsea have got rid of Morata to bring Higuain in. So if people want to bring Higuain in, that's fine. Let's sell Harry Kane to be able to do it then. Don't make much sense uh, then, does it? I would, so I would say is that if you look at the, the, the very top clubs globally, even in this country, in Manchester City, you've got Aguero and you've got Gabriel Jesus. There's two players that are effectively fighting over one position and going in and out of the team. Now, I know Gabriel Jesus, that would be a... Someone like that would be a perfect signing, a kind of young, hungry player of quality. But they don't grow on trees. Um, but to have quality backup, someone prepared to go toe-to-toe Harry Kane and back themselves, even though it's a big ask to get in the team, that's what you want. I mean, I mean, Morata, you can see he's not a confidence player particularly. Well, he is a confidence player, and you've seen his confidence quite bad at Chelsea. And apparently, when Spurs showed an interest, he said to Pochettino, well, why do you want me when you've got Harry Kane? Yep. If, you, if somebody says that to you, you think, well, you don't back yourself. You don't think you can keep Harry Kane out of the team. You don't think you're good enough. And I don't think I want to sign a player like that. But I think there are young, hungry, good players out there around the world that would say, OK, I'll go toe-to-toe with that guy. If I'm playing better than him, I believe in this manager. And I know he'd, he'd play me over Harry Kane. It's unlikely. And, and the odds are that you'd always be the second man. But that's the kind of player you want. Not one really who's ultimately happy sit there on the bench and get the on game in the cup. See, the interesting part with that, Paul, is the fact that Pochettino asked him. So when people say we're not trying to sign one, it shows you perhaps we are trying to sign one, but you just can't get the right one because why would we be talking to Morata if, if we weren't trying to get him? And it just shows you, doesn't it? You know, I, I wanted, if you remember rightly, I think it was two years ago, I looked and thought, Ian Acho, go and get him from Manchester City. He looked the, the hungry young player that was bursting off the bench, scoring goals. He's gone to Leicester and done absolutely nothing, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to throw names out there, but it's another thing entirely for it to work. And, and you know, Chelsea have gone into this season with, let's be fair, Giroud looked a really good buy for them, didn't he? 12 mm. months ago, again on, on deadline day. You thought, that's that's a really good one, Premier League proven. It's just not happened there. And, and so I'm not saying don't go and do it, but it's it's not a simple case of you, you find a name, Timo Werner is the other one being thrown at us. I, you know, I, I still haven't seen him play live enough times, but I'm sure, you know, lots of people like him. Fine, but, you know, it, it could be a flop. Roberto Soldado was a brilliant buy for Tottenham. Absolutely a brilliant buy. When you looked around Europe and you thought, yeah. what type of striker could we buy? Roberto Soldado, with his goal-scoring records, was, uh, was well, other than Messi and Ronaldo, was the Spain's top scorer, wasn't he, in La Liga? He's just got a stun over head kick as well here, Jace, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> It just, it just became a complete disaster, didn't it? So, you know, it's very easy to chuck names, but it's another thing entirely to get them to settle. And if they're, if they're only going to be given two or three minutes here, they're not even going to come off the bench when you're 3-0 up with half a go. It's going to be hard for them to get into a rhythm. I think a player like Malcolm is interesting because he's not, you're just, he's not a out-and-out striker. He's someone who can play. He can play through the middle or he can play slightly wider. So then you're not basically vying for one position. Although his frustration at... Barcelona is not getting game time, so he'd get game time in the short term. But, you know, we've got players like Lucas Moore and Son that do a kind of similar job to what he does. But it will give you depth in the squad. And I just feel sometimes we need that little bit more depth in the squad. I was saying on the air today, you know, if Liverpool fans were sitting there, we're going to, you know, if we end up losing on Thursday night, people say Tottenham have bottled it again. But if you said to Liverpool, you've got Sadio Mane at the African Cup of Nations, You've got uh, a long-term injury to Salah, six, eight weeks with Salah out, and Firmino goes off with a hamstring with 20 minutes left. 
could we say, well, Liverpool haven't got a chance. They've lost their three main players. That's what we've done. We've lost our three main players at the moment, our goal threat. It's really, really difficult. And whatever Spurs can do over the next few weeks is pretty impressive. It's going to test them to the limit, I think. Probably more than we've ever been tested before. Vass, let's get your top and take me in on transfers. Where are you at, Vass? Well, I've, I've maintained from, right from the start that we wouldn't sign anybody in January, not because we didn't need anybody, but purely because January is an awful window generally to do business yeah. in. Overpriced, uh, as we know. Yeah, Players on the yeah, fringe of their squad. Much... It's a difficult market, isn't it, Vass, January? Yeah, it's very much a seller's market. And when they know you're desperate, uh, <laughs> as some people are trying to make it out that we are, then, you know, the, the prices will just That's go through the The problem roof. is, when you log on to Spurs Twitter, we just seem desperate every every year, every month, <laughs> every minute for a transfer. But this is what Sky TV's done to everyone, isn't it? It's just this state, this glorification of, of transfers and they measure a team's credibility and success almost by how much they spend in the market, where fans now are just kind of tuning in to deadline day and yellow ties and all this nonsense because they get so excited by the fact that, you know, we've got to buy someone, we've got to buy someone. We have a need right now, don't get me wrong. Um, it'd be nice to beef up the squad. Um, but like I said, January is a bad window to be doing business in generally, unless you can find, as Jace says, one of your summer targets and bring them in early. Uh, if you can't, then, um, you know, you, you just got to have to ride it out. What's your gut telling you, Vass? Can you see anyone late coming in? No, I can't. Um, I mean, Jace mentioned Timo Werner. I, I have seen him play. He's a player I like. I think he's definitely in the Pochettino mould uh, of the kind of player that he'd, he'd like to have at Tottenham. But we mentioned... Uh, We've been talking about someone coming in as a striker replacement for, for Harry Kane, but it doesn't really need to be a direct replacement for Harry Kane. If you have other players around Kane, then you can sub in for people like Son or Delhi or even Ericsson because there's goals coming from all of these players, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a straight replacement for for Harry Kane. It's just, it's just numbers that we're needing at the moment. And to be quite frank... Um, I think our actual needs lie elsewhere, particularly at full-back at both sides and uh, central midfield. So, And then you've got the Toby situation, which aggravates things because he's had his contract extended now and susceptible to go in. And then we might need a, a new centre-back. I don't know whether Foyth is actually going to be that man, but even so, you're going to need numbers again. So there's going to be needs. And I think Pochettino's... Quite shrewd. I also understand that he does have the, the final say on, on transfers, on who comes and, and who goes. And if anyone hasn't seen that interview he gave to Jeff Shreve uh, on Sky Sports, do go find it. Because uh, a lot has been made about Pochettino saying that we've got to do things differently. And he explained that quite well in that interview. Because doing things differently doesn't necessarily mean throwing money at the problems. That we that we have, so um, that would be interesting for all fans to, to take to take on board as well. But sorry, I've blabbed on. But no, I don't see us buying anyone. To be quite frank, I think we're just going to have to get through this. Okay, I think I'd say if he genuinely wants the Gerard Bowen from Hull, I can see that one happening this month. If he if he genuinely wants him, then I think that might happen. But that's that's you know that's not the name that that ninety nine point nine percent of Spurs fans want to see us buying. Unfortunately, 
I think the problem with that, Jason, is that you are putting, in, you know, he's a young guy. He's a, he's a sort of perfect player to bring in in the summer when yeah. he's got a pre-season, can get up to speed, can work with Kane, can work within the structures. You bring him in in January, uh, all that expectation on him as we got a bunch of injuries. We'll probably overpay for him the sort of money we would spend in the summer. Hull don't want to sell. They know we're, as you, you guys have been saying, they know we're desperate. So they probably put another £10 million on the price and that's not really the way... Levy does business. I think it'd be a bit unfair on him. He's a really good player, and I think he'd benefit coming to us, but he's definitely one of those summer signings. I can't see him jumping into it for all those reasons, really, because it wouldn't be fair on him. And even if they did sign him now, I think they'd keep him at home to the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's that's what I think it will be. You know, it could well mm. be a, a, another Deli Ali situation where he's signed and then immediately loaned back, which, which then hopefully doesn't mean that you pay the extra £10 million because, you know, you're letting him sit there and and stay there for a time. So, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that one goes through. Uh, but as you say, that if that he ends up the season still playing at Hull. Yeah. There's no guarantees. I mean, you know, Pritchard scored quite a lot of goals in the Championship on loan. When he came into the Premier League, and it's continued to be the case at Huddersfield, doesn't look quite as good. So there's always a risk when you've got somebody who scores goals at Championship level. But, I mean, I've only seen, uh, you know, Championship highlights of him in a, a Hull live game. He looks... Looks a good player, looks a good prospect. But, you know, when you're buying players in the championship, especially top end of the championship, they're looking for 20 million quid. And that's why often people go overseas to look for a better proven value because I think sometimes the championship clubs, they see the pound signs when a Premier League club comes calling and you pay over the odds. Yeah, to Paul's point, I mean, it weren't that long ago, uh, Spurs fans were, were chucking their limbs at Fulham to try and get Ryan Sessignon. That's it, yeah, it's very um, true. Yeah. Our times yeah. change. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's a big step up, isn't it? He's come to the Premier League and he's and he's in a struggling side. He's not playing so well. And, you know, transfers are a risky business. You've got to just trust your manager. Uh, but he's in a struggling with... side, isn't he? And, and you look at Brooks and you think, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying David Brooks is going to be the young player of the year, but... He, he looks a lot better being able to play at Bournemouth in, in the middle of the table. And then Delhi, when you think when he eventually did come to us, coming into a top side, was able to, to you know, compete at that level a lot quicker. So, you know, I'm not so much worried about bringing a boy in from the championship or, or bringing a player from... I mean, you know, when people say, is that the player to take us to the next level? Andy Robertson... You know, when we were originally linked yeah. with him, everyone was, but he's playing for Hull and they're going to be relegated like Harry Maguire was. But, you know, could Andy Robertson have taken us to the next level or, or been better than Ben Davis at left back? Absolutely he could have been. So, you know, don't do not do the snobbery thing of, oh, he's only playing for Hull. No, you, know, you, think, can, like, you can certainly find gems. Of course you can, but, you know, it's, it's often a higher it's a gamble. risk. There's no guarantees, yeah, of course. Talking about left-backs, chaps, and Paul, I want to bring it back round to your point that you mentioned towards the start of the show about Danny Rose's performance because he looked very lively on the left-hand side, making some real intelligent runs, committing players, rattling the crossbar like we saw with a deflected effort just before the hour mark. Danny Rose, do you think he's starting to find his best form again, Paul? Yeah, he's starting. I thought in the Chelsea game he played very well as well. And uh, he's starting to look like he did a couple of years ago. He's starting to look like the same player he was then. Not quite as good. I mean, that was a bit of a... I think we'll look back on that as a bit of a vintage period with him and Walker there. Oh, yes, yeah, uh, In that yeah. final season at White Hart Lane, they were fantastic together. But I think we're starting to see what he brings to the, the team, especially when we play three at the back. But I think generally he's, he's, he's looking the part again. I've... When he's on it, he's a fantastic player. He's like the England fullback. So, you know, I think we have to, uh, uh, Davis, 
Davis, I, I think Davis is better in, uh, as, a, as, as the third centre back. Really, I'm not sure he is a particularly good fullback, especially with three at the back. But uh, and he infuriates me a bit for the reasons I said earlier on. His crossing have been does invariably seem to hit the first man as well. I don't think his crossing quite as good. But no, Rose, it's good to see him playing like that again. I think Trippier's had a funny season. I don't think he's had a good season, really. Not that funny. Know, post, <laughs> post World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> very not that funny. Be it's not been funny watching him. It's like a strange mix of, mixture of kind of a man with no confidence and overconfidence at the same time. And we saw the ball against Manchester United. He did a very similar one yesterday. A kind of yeah. ball in field. When he put Foyt under pressure in that wall, he was going trying to nutmeg people on the edge of his own box. He's doing he's, So he's doing ridiculously extravagant Hollywood-type things. <laughs> And then looking at the same time like he doesn't have the confidence he had last year. I don't, it might just be a World Cup hangover, I don't know. But he, doesn't, he has his moments, but not quite as good as he did last year. Certainly. Long hangover, Paul, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, yeah. with a big night, I would imagine. Oh, I was about to say, Hollywood performance is probably not the best way to describe him at the moment. Let's talk about the late winner then. So let's bring you in, Vass, because Nkudu set it up. Dramatic late. He cut inside, caught a lovely right-footed cross to the back post, where there was Harry Winks to head home and celebrate wildly. Oh, what a finish. There's nothing like a last-minute goal, a last-second goal, even. It just to drive uh, everybody crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, Nkudu... He did really well. He had a quick look up when he received the ball, put a great cross in. Um, we talked about Lorente earlier, but you know, if he hadn't moved to the f- f- front post and dragged defenders away, and then Toby as well, he he he'd run into the box too and sort of pulled another defender away, and it just really left Harry Winks on his own to just um, head that ball in. Surprised the goalkeeper didn't try and come out and claim it. To be fair, but. Um, yeah, who cares? 2-1, three points, thank you very much. That's it. I mean, Pochettino says the cross was perfect and even suggested after the game the win could still have a future at the club. Jace, thoughts on that? And I have to also ask you, Jace, as we said on the last one on Spurs Twitter account, that little bit of game craft from Toby Adeviro, who, after the goal went in, got hold of the ball and, my God, did he boot that out of the stadium, didn't he? <laughs> I love things like that. It's like the Sunday morning pub footballer, isn't it? It's like just that, yeah, I'm having it. How as, did he not get booked for that? Bernie Money booked so. Rose, booked Sanchez, and Adver got away with it. I think somebody said on Twitter, was it? it was like the John Smith's advert, the Avid moment or something. And, uh, no, great to see. But those celebrations, they reminded me of uh, of Sonny at Watford and, it, yeah. and of even even of Paulinho down at Cardiff when, when you know, everyone's just piling in in the last minute. It's it's a wonderful feeling and as I say, you know, when I slid straight into a wall that uh, that kind of summed it up as well. So, no, fantastic moment and just really pleased for Winksy because I thought he, you know, before the goal, he was our, I thought he was our best player um, and he's taken a, he's taken some ridiculous stick over the past, what, the past Man, well, three or four. That, you know, staggering, Jason. We said that on our radio crazy. show. I mean, Winksy's a, like I said, young player, still developing. What I love about Winksy, always play a forward pass, doesn't he? He's always well, say, a positive player with the ball. I'm stunned that, you know, if he's going to come under criticism, God, what are we coming to now these days? Well, I think as well, you have to look at the players that are around him and he's had no Eric Dyer for a month and he's he's had to play out. He's had to be a deepest lying player. You've had Moussa Sissoko, the transformed Moussa Sissoko, charging forward. So Harry Winks has got to be the one that kind of steps in, particularly when you only play with the back four, not the three at the back system. So... You know, he's had to kind of hold his position and people suddenly want him to be a creative number 10 as well as a number six and as well as a number eight. And I think, you know, just give the boy time. Let him 
let him find his role in the team. When, when we play four-two-three-one, as such, his, his job is to replace really the, the Dembele type role, isn't it? He'll never be as graceful as Dembele, but he'll have Dyer sitting behind him and he'll pick the ball off the back four, bring it forward like Modric used to, and then he'll feed it into Son or to Ericsson or to Ali and they'll feed it from there. But I think just let the boy have a role and don't keep slagging our players off. Just yeah, yeah. let him develop. It's it's ridiculous. You've got to Sorry, have homegrown. You've got to have yeah, homegrown this... players. You've got to have club homegrown players. And we've got one of the best ones in England. Whether people like him or not, he's still one of the best young midfield players in England. Get behind the bloke. Well, yeah, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen too much criticism of Winks, but I'll take uh, Jace's point. I thought he was in Manchester today. Even before he scored the goal, apparently he had 116 touches uh, in the game yesterday. Match of the day did a, a chart of where he hit. He was everywhere, all over the pitch. And um, the move for that goal actually started with Winks, practically in the right-back position. So, you know, I, I, thought, he was, I thought he was great yesterday. I, I don't know. He's had some great performances. Again, there's another, another chap who's come back from injury, isn't he, Winks? Mm. He was out earlier in the season. Um, sometimes players just need time, and unfortunately, uh, football fans aren't aren't the most patient of people. No, what gives you that impression, Vass? Especially <laughs> 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 our fan base. I mean, let me stick with you, Vass. Question here from Martin Doleman who says: Could this be the turning point for Nkudu? A bit like Sissoko. Surely a run of three or four games from the start will make a final decision. He has the pace that we require in the absence of Sonny and Mora. Now, having said that, on Monday night, there's still been speculation of him being linked with a move away. Spurs are apparently looking to try and recoup the same amount of money as what we paid for him. That doesn't sound like Daniel Levy at all, does it? <laughs> no, I think the problem we've got... I th- listen, Poch, for all his, um, all, all his uh, greatness, um, he, he seems to be a stubborn man. If he's made up his mind about a player, he, he, he's made up his mind. And I'm, I'm guessing whatever he said to the, the press yesterday about... Think Kudu possibly still having a future. I, I think he was just Keep telling the them what they wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah maybe. I, I, I think um, we, we've also got this other problem about not having enough homegrown players on our squad. So you know he's going to have to get rid of a few, isn't he? So I think Kudu could still be one of those. To be honest, we're talking about strikers, guys, and we forget that we've got a guy that finished for the goal-scoring charts in Holland still on our books. Well, that's it. And apparently, Paul, <laughs> apparently, Paul, he doesn't want him. He said he won't be playing Don't, again for no. Spurs. It's not in his plans. He wants to sell him on. He, you know, the thing was with Janssen, God bless him. We love a tryer, don't we? And he did. <laughs> he did try hard, and he would try and get on the ball. It just, it just wasn't happening for him. I mean, in fact, there was kind of shades of Vincent Janssen in Lorente's performance yesterday. Stuff not coming off, headers hitting his shoulder. You know, going down when he could have stayed on it. It was there was a bit of that about it that it kind of smacked a bit of desperation. Um, uh, but you know, Janssen's out of the plans. But we're talking about playing kids or signing players. But, I mean, if we went out and said, okay, we've got let's go and spend seventeen million on the the best player in Holland. Uh, you know, that's what effectively we did a couple of years ago, and it didn't work. So, no guarantees. Curse of the second striker, Paul, isn't it? We've still not really been able to solve that piece in the puzzle. But let me ask you about Harry Winks, because he did kick Spurs on the front foot with his passing, dieting runs and scored that crucial winning goal after attacking the box in the final moments. Pochettino, after the game, said, I feel so proud. We were talking in the next few weeks that he needs to improve, arrive in the box, score more goals. And there he was, Paul. Like you said, one of the stars of the game for you, Harry Winks. 
Yeah, I think it was great. And it, it really does take some balls to play in the central midfield in in the Premier League, I think. And he's all, he always wants the ball. He's always looking up. He's perpetual motion. He's kind of everything you want in that sort of central midfield player. I'm a big I'm a big fan. It's sort of at times there's kind of, sort of shades of Mickey Hazard in some ways. That he's, he's, he's always wants the ball. He's always looking for it. He never hides. So yeah, I've always been a fan. I was a fan from day one. Actually, I went and interviewed Poch at the training ground a couple of years ago, just before we played Arsenal. And uh, he came in Harry Winks. He'd had he'd had a couple of appearances. He'd been involved in the squad and played some games. And then I, was, I was talking to the receptionist and he came in and sort of nodded and went into the dressing room. She looked at me and she said, he's a lovely boy. <laughs> they all love him. They all love him at Tottenham. He's just, a, he's just a lovely kid. Apparently. I don't know if that makes any difference. If no, he's it a does. great player and absolute shit house, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. You'll be pleased to hear he is a lovely boy. That's nice. We'll I take th- you on to I get think over the line. I think Pochettino looks for, for players' characters as well, That's doesn't he? When profile, he's for, for, yeah. Spot on, Vass. All about the profile. Well, just to go and finish up before we look ahead to Chelsea, squeeze a preview in. Spurs are now the fourth highest scoring team across the top five European leagues in the 2018-19 season. 72 goals for Spurs. Only above them, Barcelona, PSG and Man City. What a surprise. Spurs won a Premier League match without Huminson and Harry Kane for the first time since March 2014 in the Premier League. We are still the only team in the top four divisions of English football not to have drawn a league match this season. Quite incredible stats. So let's bring it on to Chelsea then. Hold on, on, Rick. Can I pick your one stat? Go on, him. The, the, the one about the number of games without Son and Kane. How many have we played without Son and Kane? I don't think it's been many, Jace, to be honest. You can have that I think one, Jace. We've won one out of one. So, well, it's they a bit all of a count. pointless one, that one. But, they all, all right, I'll let you Hold on, has got more assists than Mane, I think uh, Ozil this season. Can we have that one, Jace, or are you not letting me have that one? You, you can always have one that, that slags off Mesut Ozil, all mate. Right. That's all right. It's hard, not hard these days, Jace, is it, to be honest? <laughs> Let's look ahead to Chelsea. Now, as we discussed off-air, Paul, Gonzalo Higuain will be able to face Spurs in the League Cup semi-final second leg on Thursday, as long as he's registered as a Chelsea player by 12pm midday British time in the UK on the Wednesday. That's right, yeah, yeah. So they need to get that done. My my gut feeling is they will. I mean, who knows? Sorry, has been a bit perverse at times. They could do the deal and then they'll stick him on the bench and won't start him. Uh, you know, he, he's quite dogged. He's had a go at the players the other day. And he's got his system and he still thinks Hazard can play in that sort of false nine position. So he may just say, go on then. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's almost proving the player's point, isn't it? To, for him to have this rent and then he goes out and he puts the striker in straight away. So he's, he may stick with that system and put Higuain on the bench. So even if he's registered, I wouldn't be altogether sure he's going to start. OK, interesting. Vass, he scored three goals and assisted in three games against Spurs, but this is a different Spurs team, isn't it? I mean, you would assume, Vass, bearing in mind our performance at Wembley against Chelsea, that 3-0 win, that with a plan for him, like we had for Jorginho, you would think. Do you reckon will Sorry adapt his plan or will he just slot in and be the magic piece that they've been missing? Well, you're expecting him to come in and hit the ground running with barely having a training session with his teammates. Um... I don't know, it's something not quite right at Chelsea at the moment, but they're going to be at home, they're going to have the crowd behind them. Um, we're sort of down to the bare bones, you know, a- anything can happen. we we just got to try and see the game out. Um, somebody said yesterday that we should just play 11 defenders <laughs> on, uh, 
given that half of our attacking players are out injured or missing or whatever at the minute, then it might not be a bad idea just put 11 defenders on the pitch and go for a nil-nil. Um, Higuain's dangerous, but listen, we just got we got some good defenders too. I agree with that. Jace, we've seen Maurizio Sarri launch a scathing attack on his players after that defeat to Arsenal in the Premier League. He opted to speak in Italian in his press conference to properly execute his message. He accused the squad of being extremely difficult to motivate and he insists the mentality of his players must improve, hinting at personal changes before the January transfer window is over. Does this come at a good time for Spurs to come out and have a go at the squad? Or, you know, could this potentially... No, what do you reckon? Not at all. I, 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 you know, watching the, watching the two of them playing, I thought, oh, I wish Chelsea were winning this game 3-0 or something to bring a bit of complacency in. You... you you would expect them to be to to get a massive kick up the backside and react to it, and you know if they're professional footballers, that's what they should do. But but it seems strange with Chelsea, doesn't it? And they switch on and off between seasons and and things like that. But you know it's a semi final. They're they're playing in front of I think the team that a little bit like us now we consider them as as the biggest rival on the pitch wise, and I think that we are to them. And I think that you know it's it's their number one game. It's their number one game and I, I don't really see them not not showing too much fight although you know we didn't see much in the, the game at Wembley in the Premier League either did we but I think it's going to be a tough one I expect I think Dyer probably it will be Dyer and Mora coming in I think Lorente will probably find himself out and um, and and Delhi is obviously out and Ericsson can move further forward because Eric Dyer comes back into the side but it'll be a, a, a tough one and I kind of think it's going to go all the way to penalties mate Paul, he's kind of gone to war with the players, hasn't he? And you think with this Chelsea team, they've seen off quite a few managers. Is that a brave tactic to go with? Bearing in mind, you know, he's seen the way other managers have kind of end up leaving Chelsea. To do it now at this time of the season, we're only January. I mean, if Spurs do beat Chelsea, I heard your colleague Andy Jacobs say he doesn't think he'll be there for much longer. Yeah, I mean, they were saying he, Andy was saying he could be gone by Friday if they lose. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I mean, the fact they're signing Higuain means they're back in the manager because he's a manager's yep. signing, really, because he's worked with him before. Um, yeah, it is high risk to ever sort of hang the players out to dry like that, especially when, effectively, it's the system that's letting them down much of the time uh, and some of his odd selections. But that first game at, at Wembley, the one that we did win the game, but that was the best I'd seen Chelsea play against us in a really long time. They were, they were fantastic that night and... Uh, um, you know, a lot much, much better than they were in the league game. I'd rather see the Chelsea played the league game than the one that played in that first leg at Wembley. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough night. And I, I think, I think we're going to have to score to win it. I can see Chelsea scoring, but you know, it might be that night Lorente comes on one all. Could you imagine? Ten minutes, five <laughs> minutes left. Lorente, big header. He finally gets hold of one, two, one. He'll be the hero. We'll all be sitting here saying, "What a player!" And I can't confirm. Poor hasn't been drinking. <laughs> no, not no, completely so. Definitely not. Hasn't got the red wine out just yet. We'll be having the red wine out hopefully after the game on Thursday night. Thus, we've got a great question in here. This is from Brian Daly who says, basically, if push comes to shove, which one of you can play on Thursday and do the best job? Do you fancy your chances, Vass? <laughs> oh, there was a time, mate. <laughs> yeah, get my boots and get down to Stamford Bridge. No, um, yeah, it's feeling a little bit like that at the moment, isn't it? But, as Jace says, uh, if you know, with Dyer back now, um, gives us a bit more strength in the midfield and allow Ericsson to push up. So um, all, all is not lost just yet. 
It's another one of those games, Jess, isn't it? We look in the season and we talk about teams getting over the line and Spurs. Would this be a for you a, a defining game to get across in a semi-final? I mean, I think people forget we did get to a final under Pochettino. You know, you know, during his first cut seasons at Spurs, obviously didn't go on to win the cup, but you know, to do what we've done, to go away to Arsenal and win, Chelsea and win, West Ham, Watford, is this part of a big picture for Spurs? Is it an achievement to get into a final mentally after so many damaging semi-final defeats over the last few years? Yeah, I think it would be. And, you know, as I said the other day, the three teams that call us the bottlers are West Ham, Arsenal and Chelsea. So to have beaten all three of them to get to a final would would be quite nice. And, you know, despite all the the people that have a pop at Pochettino for domestic cups and, oh, he's not bothered about them and he shows them disrespect... You know, as you say, he's been to a final and this is this is a third semi-final in three years. So for somebody who, who doesn't care about him, we, we don't do too badly in them, do we? So we've had some decent cut runs under him. And, but I think, you know, it's the, it's it's Chelsea. And like, like I've said, to me, to this Tottenham side, Chelsea is their, is their biggest game, their biggest test. To me, as a fan, it doesn't even compare to an Arsenal-Chelsea a game to me. That, that quarter-final at Arsenal was was by far the one that I wanted. But I think these players have suffered hurt to Chelsea enough times as a group with the, the Premier League, with the first cup final, That's with right, the, yeah. the Premier League disappearing, with the 4-2 semi-final, you know, the 28 years of, of not winning at Stamford Bridge, which we've now got over. So but there's a lot of them have had the bad memories of Chelsea. And I think to to reach a semi-final, or to, to reach a final I'm probably having to win at Chelsea or certainly getting a result at Chelsea with the injuries and that that we've got. I think that would be a, a huge breakthrough for this side. And I would just say if we don't do it tomorrow and we do get knocked out, it won't be because we've bottled it at all. It will just be it's it's finally caught up with us. Mm. Paul, is 1-0 enough for you going into this one? No, no, I don't think. I think Chelsea will score. I think they win. They're going to be going for it. It's going to be a great atmosphere. But... I think they'll score, but I, I wouldn't rule us uh, out of scoring either. You know, I, I, I still think we can go and win that. And as Jay said, it would be uh, it would be an absolutely fantastic result, one of the great results in mm. recent years, really, to go there with all the injuries we got. And they were kind yeah, of having to piece together a team. We could go to Chelsea and get a result and get through to the final. It, it, it will be a, a fantastic result up there with the best. So well, be. let's hope we can. Yeah, fingers one, crossed. One nil. One nil in Europe wouldn't have been a bad first leg tie with you know with, no, the, with that, the away goals rule, true, but of course yeah. no away goals rule counting. Chelsea mm. don't even get penalised for for not scoring at Wembley in that way. Yeah, Vass. I mean, like you know, Paul says there. Jason's mentioned it. You know, we're going to be about Kane. You know, now looks like Ali Son. We're at some really key players. Sissoko has become a key player this season to go and you know get a result there, get to a final when many say Spurs rely on you know so much of Harry Kane and Deli Ali and Hummin Son. This would really, you know, prove, you know, this is a team, isn't it? This is not just, you know, Spurs relying on key players. You know, this is a, a collective group that can get over the line in a big game. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's all about the sum of the parts, isn't it? Uh, it reminds me, although we weren't uh, um, weakened but it, back then, but it reminds me of when we were in the Champions League under Redknapp and we went to AC Milan and won 1-0. And then we had a, a nervy nil-nil oh, nil back at White Hart yeah, Lane, to, Lane to get through. We we saw fall for our lives that night, and um, it could be the same thing will be needed again come Thursday. But um, yeah, I, I'd back us to score one. Um, it was going to depend a lot on how how we defend, and I think if if the team 
is organised and, and, and does what we are supposed to do, then, you know, we just keep our fingers crossed. That's, you're going to be, have to be brave here because you're going to be the first one to give us a prediction. Oh, what are you going for? I don't for? do predictions, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for a one-all. One-all, okay. Spurs going through them, Vass. Well, Cup final, here we come. Mate. Yeah, that's the hope. That is yeah, the hope. Absolutely. Okay, Vass Cody from the brilliant Hot Spur America. Thanks so much, Vass. It's been a pleasure having you. <laughs> no, my, my pleasure, mate. Vass, just remind us where can we catch Hot Spur America? We've got a lot of American listeners out there. Give them another pod they can add to their playlist for a week. Yeah, Hot Spur America. We normally out first thing Monday morning, apart from this week for some reason. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere really where you get your podcast uh, from. Uh, we're on Twitter at Hotspur America. We're on Facebook as well, Hotspur America. Uh, yeah, give us a listen. I'm, I think you will not be disappointed. Fantastic. Jace, come on. Let's be having it then. Do you still stick by the penalties? Yeah, I think it'll oh, go to penalties. God. I'll just get that horrible feeling it'll go to penalties. Can you do and this then to us? Is it Gazaniga the hero then? <laughs> well, it, it could well need to be because, you know, even that you feel like the injuries is awful, isn't it? Because Delhi, Son and Kane are probably three that you'd want to be on the pitch taking penalties for you. So, um, and then it depends how many how many attacking players and things we've got on the pitch. So, when it gets to penalties, mate, it's anyone's, isn't it? But I do think we'll go through the, the ringer and it will go to penalties. Okay, interesting. Jace, thanks as always. And Paul, sorry to leave you last, hanging on there, waiting for a prediction. Can we have one from you, Paul? Yeah, I'll, I'll go for that one. I'll, I'll go for, uh, I'll go for one, one nil behind. Chelsea not been able to get the second goal. And then, um, let's go on, let's do it. Lorenzo off the bench, if you like, popping up, headed winner, he's the hero. There you go. And I well, promise you, as I said, we have not <laughs> drunk Paul. We haven't, we haven't fed him any red wine, honestly. But there'll be plenty of it come Friday when we'll be celebrating. Paul, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. Cheers, Ricky. Thanks, guys. No all problem at all. Fantastic. Cheers, Paul. Now, just to remind you, myself and Jace, we're going to be back on Last Sport with Lee McQueen on Friday, serenading, hopefully, Jace, in a cup final to come. Oh, let's hope so, mate. Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. So just a reminder, love sport coming your way on Friday night. A change of plan because the Spurs plan on the Thursday. Listen, enjoy the show. Huge game on Thursday. Believe and up the Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.